Welcome to the Inquisitive Minds Podcast. This podcast is all about searching for answers to questions oftentimes unexplained or unexplored. We want to engage with new and sometimes old theories, psychology, or philosophy from a research-based perspective. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Inquisitive Minds Podcast. I'm Peter and I'm joined by, with, joined by my good friend John. How are you doing today, John? Not bad. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So this podcast, we dive deep into a range of different top uh, subjects, but we do them one at a time. So most of the time we are diving into something that is in philosophy or psychology or is on the cutting edge of technology. So our first episode was all about critical thinking. And to me, that was the philosophy. The second one was about attention and social media. That was more psychology. This episode, we're diving straight into the idea of terraforming Mars. This is something that's on the very precipice of, of technology nowadays and is often talked about as one of the, the craziest, most adventurous things that the human population will ever try to do. So, um, John, how are you feeling about this topic and what are your initial thoughts? I was, I was excited going into this topic because it's just a very inspiring topic, like the exploration of space and even having like maybe a potentially another home down the line. So it was exciting to start researching. Totally. So I think I want to give this, give a good introduction to what Mars is currently. Mars is known as the red planet. And I'm going to walk us through the, the potentially three stages. So the red planet, and then from there we go to blue planet and then green planet as a form of terraforming. But what is terraforming? John, you want to tell us how that works? So terraforming, uh, not to be confused with colonizing, terraforming is making the planet have Earth-like environment. <clears throat> so you know, running water, so you can eventually have crops and, and all those things. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to be done by modifying like the atmosphere, the temperature, the surface, topography, the ecology. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. And and with colonizing, it's it's sort of just settling and making like a permanent residence essentially. It's it's not so much kind of recreating the whole atmosphere. So I think there's a big difference there between just going to Mars and setting up like some places to live and to actually making it so you can actually walk around and breathe yeah so when when you say life you specifically mean human life terraforming the scientists have defined it as specific for human life because right now on mars we're not sure if there's some sort of organic um like microbes living on mars that that could be considered life and i i think that's a a big ethical question we should talk about after but uh terraforming is specific to humans making it have like have uh making it a living conditions for humans so mm -hmm. so the mars mars as we know it right now big huge red planet it's about half the diameter of earth which means a lot of things change the mass is another huge part so the mass is a, is about um the mass of earth is about 900 percent larger than that of Mars. So a lot of things change when you're on Mars. And the biggest thing that we're going to have to overcome is the gravity. 
and dealing with the gravity. It's significantly less. So Mars is about 71% less dense than Earth. And that is directly correlated with how much gravity you're getting. Um, some some things about Mars that do make it a good a good planet to want to terraform when we're considering planets nearby in our solar system, because the other option is, of course, Venus. And Venus is closer to the sun than Earth, whereas Mars is further from the sun. So the issue with Venus is it's 900 degrees. <laughs> it's 900 degrees <laughs> Celsius. Nobody's doing anything on Venus for a very long time. Um, so Mars is a lot colder. Mars right now has an average temperature of negative 63 degrees. It's completely frozen. Everything is frozen. Mars also has a North and South pole similar to earth. This is good for us because in the idea of terraforming, we want to be able to release the water that's located at the poles and on top of the, of the water currently on Mars is frozen carbon dioxide which is also helpful for our oxygen which we'll explain later but we want to be able to heat up the poles so that we can eventually re release all the water and the carbon dioxide that's in there um, another good another positive for terraforming mars is that its rotation sorry its axes which is similar which is uh the the angle at which the the planet sits is very similar to earth's so the tilt of the axis of Mars is 25%, and I believe Earth's is around 27%. So seasons are very similar on Mars. But the difference is their seasons are twice as long, as well as their year. Their year is about twice as long. So Mars takes about double the amount of time to rotate around the, sur um, the sun compared to Earth. Um, we, we do have the almost the same length of day, though. Yeah, this is another thing. I think it's around 2%. The the day on Mars is 2% longer than the day on longer. Earth. Yeah. So, with all that being said, we kind of have we have some definite difficulties to overcome when terraforming Mars. But we have a lot of benefits. And one of the biggest benefits that I didn't mention was that scientists believe Mars was a planet that had earth or that had life that had earth that had <laughs> life it was a planet that was teeming with all sorts of different life um it had water it had an atmosphere we're not sure what the atmosphere was made of but over billions and billions of years it slowly lost all those things um mainly due i've i've heard that it had volcanoes that stopped erupting and there was yeah the, the core sort of not being molten anymore yeah so molten the so it lost its magnetic field mm -hmm. so then the atmosphere gradually blew away yeah so the magnetics the magnetic field that we have on earth is due to the molten core of our earth so that means that the metal within the core of our earth is hot enough to retain its liquid state it stays in it stays as a liquid and as it moves with the earth it creates a magnetic field around earth and this protects us greatly from a lot of radiation coming from the sun on mars that used to be a thing billions of years ago but it's slowly over time losing its its atmosphere it lost heat and when you lose heat it's slowly the metal slowly becomes a solid and and when the when mars is moving there's no movement of the metal it's all in a solid state stationary prevents a magnetic field which prevents radiation from being removed from the surface so a lot of difficulties but also a lot of 
kind of positive things about Mars. One, it had life before. It's got similar days. It's got a similar axes. Um, a lot of a lot of really hopeful things for us. Yeah, it's right on the cusp of the the Goldilocks zone. Yeah, and there is there's like the temperature since the atmosphere is is so thin it's one of the the things i saw is temperature was so fascinating so if you were to stand on the surface of mars at the, on the equator at noon it'd be spring at your feet and winter at your head <laughs> so it's the difference in temperature there yeah like wild because it's the atmosphere is so thin by the time it gets it's up there it's literally pretty much just gone yeah and that's another thing that is a difficulty for the terraforming process is that the gravity of you you wouldn't think this but the gravity of earth is actually keeping the atmosphere in place it's holding all those air molecules around its surface and keeping it as we know our atmosphere now in its different phases down to earth whereas on mars the gravity is losing the atmosphere if we were trying if for all the co2 that we try to burn in and add to Mars's atmosphere, we're going to be losing a lot more, which makes it very difficult to hold to hold an atmosphere and to terraform. Yeah, it makes terraforming like X amount of times harder. Yeah. So let's get into it. The first thing we want to do as terraformers, and there's multiple theories of what to do, and, and we'll run through them. But the first thing we want to do is get to the blue planet stage. The blue planet stage means we've got water, We've got an atmosphere. The atmosphere is definitely not habitable. It's mostly CO2, which would, of course, be deadly for us. Um, but it's beginning to transform. There's, there's, we're taking root. So one of the first theories is we need to we need to add heat. Adding heat provides melting of the poles, like I said, which releases a lot of carbon dioxide, which starts to create our atmosphere. So early on. There, the question was, can we just use materials on Mars and just use carbon dioxide to create a big enough atmosphere? Is there enough carbon dioxide in the soil or carbon-based minerals in the soil that we can burn into carbon dioxide to create an atmosphere? Unfortunately, uh, a study was done recently and it was published in Nature and essentially said, all of the carbon material within the soil and within the poles is only going to increase the atmosphere, like the pressure of the atmosphere by 4%. It is not going to do it. We need a different way. We need to be able to do something different. So there's been a lot of floated. Sorry, go ahead. So so what are all the, the possible sources that the CO2 could come from on Mars? Okay, so we've got the poles, which is what I talked about, but it's all frozen right now as um, carbon dioxide in a solid form. And then there's the rigorolith. Rigorolith? It's essentially the crust, the initial crust of Mars. Um, so if we were to somehow send a mission there, maybe it's just a robot or a group of robots or it's a human uh, Mars excavation mission. And they started drilling and as they were drilling, they were burning all of the carbon that they could find in the ground for about 10 meters deep, I think, approximately. That's where all the carbon material is. Because further down than that, we don't know what's really going on. 
we predicted the molten core has hardened because it's got no no magnetosphere, but we don't really know what's going on beneath the regolith of ten approximately ten meters. It, it varies on the surface uh, yeah. when you get to different areas. But yeah, that's where all the carbon's coming from, and it's not enough. Very sad. <laughs> sad. So the next we're not giving up. The next thing we could possibly do for heat, there's been there's a theory floated for heat that I don't really like, and I'll get your opinion on this. And it's essentially a huge, uh, it's a huge reflective surface for the sun. So essentially, they want to float into orbit around Mars this huge mirror to reflect heat at the at the poles and just on the sur on the surface essentially to to just heat up the whole planet. Mm -hmm. This. I don't know. It doesn't seem. So how does this solve the lack of CO2? So this idea was floated before the CO2 uh, was found to not be enough. So this was gotcha. kind of like a. This is to kickstart the the initial heating process. That's right. And it seems like a lot of money to do something that could be done easier or like it's it's like a lot of money and a lot of resources put into something that once it's up there and it's done its job we should probably take it down because it'll burn us alive um <laughs> i don't know so that was one theory another theory which i am more inclined to like but it doesn't work if you have humans there is diverting comets from the outer ring of our solar system to hit mars the the cons the cons for this are we're kind of destroying the surface of mars this is like total like we, we we kill the dinosaurs like 1200 times it's it's going to be devastating for the surface and we don't really know what's going to be left over but the pros well the other con is that we could <laughs> potentially miss mars and hit earth not good so the the pros are it introduces a lot of oxygen water and nitrogen which are the things we need to the surface it also could potentially bring uh extremophiles that we've never seen before um it would it would increase the temperature it would melt the poles and it would add more organic material that could be carbon-based to add to the atmosphere from what i read on on like essentially importing volatiles is how like they would redirect it to go into mars's orbit and then they would get it in from there a lot slower than just like ramming it home after one after another oh, okay so they were coming up ways to having a lot slower of an impact rather than just bombardment right <laughs> hey i mean so i thought that was sort of fascinating now i don't know how much control they actually have but but it definitely like the the whole point is to get enough enough greenhouse gas on in the atmosphere to have the runaway green gas effect, mm -hmm. and so that begins the the positive feedback loop. So once it it starts trapping more and more heat up, everything else starts to melt more, mm -hmm. which produces more gas in the in the atmosphere which traps even more heat and it's it's that constant process of heating 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 and trapping 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 right and you need to i think what i read is you need to raise it sort of six degrees 
on your own to kind of start this runaway effect. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you start reading about how there's a limit of CO2 on on the planet itself, that's when you sort of have to start adding in your own greenhouse effects. Right. With with the adding with the redirecting the comets being sort of the first mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, so the comets idea mm-hmm. I like and especially with you mentioning the the ways for us to control the comets coming in and kind of keeping the the destruction of Mars to a minimum. That that's an idea I can get behind. The problem is how many comets, how much time how do we get to the outer ring of our solar system to redirect them? Like the mm-hmm. like if we're getting to Mars, um, already like initially getting to Mars is is a huge undertaking, a huge task. But also somehow getting comets like we're talking like years and years and years, like centuries in the future, for us to have the technology to be able to do that kind of thing. Which um, again, we're all like this this whole discussion is kind of hypothetical, but if we wanted to do it tomorrow, I think that the other option is, is, is like super greenhouse gases. So super greenhouse gases are essentially gases like, like, um, carbon tetrafluoride and, uh, dicarbon quatrifluoride, stuff like that. So essentially, and, and sulfur fluoride gases that have like, a thousand times the heat retention of co2 so essentially if we are able to either import or make it on the surface of mars using the material within the core to create gases that are fluoride and sulfur based gases that can retain a ton of a ton more heat than just carbon dioxide then we should be able to achieve the runaway greenhouse gas effect that, that you explained earlier much sooner um, than with the comets. I think the comets are a good idea if we have the technology, but I think it's easier for us to use super greenhouse gases, which, which by the way, are still not something that we can just manufacture. I don't think we have a, a specific means of doing that yet, um, but it's, it seems closer in the future than the comets thing. What do you think? Yeah, it's sort of like you begin to colonize at first and once you have enough of like a, a base and you and kind of structures being built then you can sort of start mining and manufacturing all this cfcs and it's it, it's very like unlikely that you go there without sort of setting up a base first right yeah there's one alternative to this is sending all these greenhouse gases by rockets okay it, it not it's not the the nuking idea but it, it's it's having rockets with all these greenhouse gases so when they hit the the surface it blows up and rather than the explosion being the heating it's just filling the environment with all these gases yeah that's an interesting one i think uh yeah, to, to go back to your nukes example, I think it was Elon Musk floated the idea of just nuking the poles on Mars and everyone was like, mm, we've got enough radiation to deal with and also it's not going to do that much. So the super greenhouse gases, uh, CFCs, as you call them, are essentially the biggest way of doing this. And, and bringing rockets, 
seems like a good idea. It's just they would have to be huge rockets. We're talking about a, a planet, right? So being able to just send rockets, we we would need like a huge fleet of them, or we would need a way to well, the, send a machine it's, that produces them continuously. It's, it's more of like a steady stream of them. So every so often you're sending another one that hits, another one that hits, another one that hits. Right. So it's something that can kind of be done without having to colonize it. And it's something that you don't have to, it's not a one huge big investment. It's just one after another, like spaced out. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom, boom. So, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like that bad of a, I just don't know how many you need, right? The, that yeah. could be the big issue is like, like say you need like a thousand and it's sort of spread out like every month. That's still quite a while. I, I fear that but I mean, knowing human beings, I fear that if we have a steady stream of rockets, like this would have to take a century or something, right? <laughs> like this is not happening overnight. This is not happening over, over the span of a year if we send a rocket every month. So yeah. What I'm thinking, what I'm scared of is that if at some point there's a change in administration or somebody and, and somebody's like, why are we sending these rockets? This costs us billions of dollars every month to the friggin Mars. Cut that program, you know, and then it gets cut yeah. and then it's stopped. Right. And it's cynical to think that way if we had a perfect scientific uh, world uh, that we live in and we were able to do that, maybe it would be better and easier to do. I I, mm -hmm. I think the if we're talking hyper like hypotheticals, I think the best way, in my opinion, would be send a robot manned fleet with a power plant or several power plants that could land on Mars and generate these kind of super greenhouse yeah. gases um, independently without without like without humans going to start start the process mm -hmm. and then let them pump with material from Mars. Which again sounds um, sounds like fantasy because we're, we don't know what's on Mars, but that would be my my idea. Yeah. Another another sort of one I saw was like a mining methane rich Titan. So Titan has a lot of some greenhouse gases, especially being methane, and so you, and then transporting it back to Mars. Mm -hmm. But again, like that's quite the travel time right and and the same issue that i didn't i forgot to bring up earlier with with kind of the ammonia and and with methane is it's i'm pretty sure they're less dense than co2 right so they actually dissipate quicker yeah so you would need to pump them in way faster than co2 mm -hmm. yeah so don't forget during this whole conversation we're losing atmosphere on mars every every day because of the weight of mars and the the solar they call it solar winds um are stripping the, the atmosphere from mars so we need dense gas particles that hold heat well we need this is going to take a lot of research and that and that have long lifetimes mm -hmm. so like methane only lasts for maybe four or five i'm just thrown out numbers here but it's it's not as long right as co2 which is a fairly stable molecule yeah yeah so the well that's maybe that's the good thing again with the cfc's is they're like way stronger of a co than co2 and they have fairly long life cycles too yeah they're fairly stable and and it, people have been trying to f 
find good CFCs. Um, Johnny, what does CFC stand for again? Uh, chlorofluorocarbons. Right. So with all these gases, we need to be able to make sure that they're all sticking around, producing heat. All right. And with them having like a short lifetimes and, and leading back to the CFCs, the chlorofluorocarbons, I saw a number that was how much CFCs we would have to kind of create to start it. Oh. And it was 39 million tons, which to put this into perspective, Earth, what are us, we create from 19, I think, 72 to 92, we created about a third of that on Earth. So wow. we would need about three times that we made in that 20 years to start this process. Right. And that's with us producing with a whole population of individuals. Right. So this is crazy. <laughs> but like we said, the terraforming process would take hundreds of years, centuries. So I think... Um, well, yeah, this is just to get to the blue stage. Right. We're not even at the green stage. Yeah. We're not even living yet. <laughs> yeah. So like just to put the just the first part into perspective, it was almost kind of demoralizing the more I researched because I was getting so ex like I always thought like kind of Mars is really exciting and exploring it and colonizing it. And I honestly thought like I would see a lot more in my lifetime but sort of seeing how far away we're from even just to get water going on Mars, it was like, we're not going to see this in our lifetime. Yeah, I was listening. Unless technology uh, just goes on a tear. On a tear. <laughs> I just don't see it. Like, I mean, it's always on a tear, but. But it's uh, it's geared for profit. But um, <laughs> there's another discussion. I think, I think um, yeah, what you're saying is correct. And. I, when I was doing research, I was finding a lot of people who were talking and doing speeches that were kind of selfish, in my opinion. They were like, our generation, our lifetime, we're going to see people on Mars. And I was thinking to myself, well, if we want to do this terraforming thing, I, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be sending people. We should be sending, unless they're going and coming back um, to pick up, to just get information, to just do some minor drilling. We should be only be sending automated things to to try to collect data. And, and build a plan to terraform unless we want to go with the colonization um, idea, which I think we'll get to after. Um, okay. So let's say we do complete the blue planet stage. What are we left with? We're left with an atmosphere. We're left with heat. We've got about the same temperatures on earth and we have oceans. Now uh, the, it's not really oceans. It's if you just count all the water on the, on Mars, you have about a bunch of, uh, lakes and rivers, but nothing that's really like a full atmosphere, or sorry, a full ocean, which means it might be tricking, tricky creating a, a normal water cycle like we have here on Earth, such as normal weather patterns with, with water uh, going into the atmosphere and raining and so on and so forth. We're not sure how that would play out on Mars, because we're not sure if the water there is enough. Tim. Yeah, I guess we're sort of just assuming once we have the atmosphere similar to Earth, mm -hmm. that it would sort of just kind of kickstart the hydrosphere, and we would sort of get that cycle going. Yeah. So it's I think it's almost something we kind of assume, assuming that if it's like Earth, it'll do the same sort of process. Right. I think uh, figuring out a way to transport water, like tons and tons of water, 
could be difficult considering the fact that we kind of have a water shortage here on Earth. So if, if we melt enough of the water on Mars and it ends up not being enough, I think we have a huge problem on our hands. But let's and let's say and we... And it's very mountainous too, right? Like you, you, you have to like get to somewhere else on Mars and there's not like a pipeline just going to go straight across. Like mm -hmm. they have the largest mountain in the whole solar system. Like there's no getting around that thing. Like... <laughs> Well, let's hope by time we have the technology to get there, we can just get around it, or we can divert a comet right into it. So let's say we do have what I was talking about, the blue planet. Now we have to get to green planet. Green planet Mars is a nitrogen, oxygen-rich atmosphere. It's us walking out with nothing on and breathing in the air and living. And with with that in mind, we have a we have a plant life grow. We have all sorts of potential foods we can harvest and all sorts of agriculture, all the stuff. So this is the green planet. How do we get there from the blue planet? Well, the main idea is, again, millions of years, <laughs> hundreds of years, uh, yeah. with the introduction of cyanobacteria or thermophiles or extremophiles. So these are microbial microbes that have been specifically selected to live in these extreme conditions. So remember, in the blue planet, the atmosphere is pretty much 95% carbon dioxide. If we end up pumping in the CFCs or the super greenhouse gases, those are usually pretty stable, non-reactive. So they like the, the, the plant life or the microbes won't really be able to interact with them much. So we're mainly gearing our specific microbes to carbon-based fuel and and also hoping that they produce nitrogen and oxygen as a byproduct to the growth. Yeah, so like this will kind of inspire a whole new kind of bioengineering yeah. in, in plants that survive not only in very heavy carbon dioxide atmospheres, but also in in the Martian soil too, mm -hmm. which is slightly, this is quite different than ours. Yeah. I was reading it. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. And also kind of while trying to have them be very efficient at photosynthesis too. Right. Cause you want to make the oxygen like sure. If they want to, if they're thriving in the soil and, and in the atmosphere, but they're not actually making the byproduct of, of like a really efficient oxygen, then, then almost no point. Right for the terraforming process. Yeah, this is where I think I think uh, geneticists and bi microbiologists and microbiology geneticists get really excited because they're they're mm -hmm. using CRISPR and they're splicing in genes and they're trying to make this perfect microorganism to send to Mars. And maybe they have a bunch of them, bunch of different types that all have different jobs that they're doing. So the main the main problem, though, is time, right? If we want to take this from a blue planet to a green planet, we need these <laughs> microbes given her every day, all day, for hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. So at at our current state in technology, I saw a number. It was a very rough number. But assuming, like, we, we, we have all the plants that are starting to propagate and thrive, it'll take around 900 years 
for the atmosphere to have enough oxygen for us to be able to breathe. Yeah. So. Nine hundred. So just, just, just <laughs> eat your veggies and <laughs> stay alive. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's one of those things that, um, I think will be like such an accomplishment if we ever get around to it. But besides this idea of adding these microbes, did you did you find anything else for changing from blue planet to green planet? Anything else that was kind of interesting? The the only other one I saw was was a very like almost like it almost seemed kind of far fetched, right? Because it was almost it's it's based out of science fiction. Mm-hmm. So the the genesis genesis device from Star Trek. Okay. So essentially. I know. I think you know what it is. Yeah. The, the, here's what I know about it: is they okay. they wanted to reproduce a whole planet, and then Spock died. Spock died. Oh man. <laughs> so they sent Spock's body to this planet, and then they shot this device, which is called the Genesis device, onto the planet, and it essentially just makes the planet habitable. It's like it's the magic it's bullet. Terraform. Yeah. And then Spock came back to life. Spoilers. Spock came back to life. <laughs> Sorry. So it's it's based off of that, like it it pretty much explode, like it you throw it, it explodes, and all this DNA just goes everywhere, and that DNA kind of goes into the the surface and starts making all the plants, and <laughs> next minute life blows up, yada yada yada. So it it's essentially that. So it's like the science, like scientists, like find a planet. So like say Mars and they start researching it. They, they figure it out with all the temperature, the soil, the atmosphere, yada, yada, yada. And then they just do mad research to make this, this DNA. And then they, then they send fleets of robots with this DNA. Okay. And they go around the surface of the planet, depositing it all over. So the, the, the capsules are kind of like these, these things that kind of open and they they germinate, they latch, they they kind of they create seeds and spores. So they kind of like okay, yeah. uh, pollinate themselves and and then they're all they're scattered all over because it's robots, so they they can work wonders and put it everywhere. Sure. So <laughs> so now now there's this DNA all over the planet, hmm? and they're re- reproducing, pollinating, winds blowing them around, yada yada yada. And then, and now everything works as the old fashioned way of evolution. So you got to wait about like a million years, give or take a million. <laughs> or so, and boom, your planet is terraformed. Well, if you know what, I do like a good hands off approach. You know, I like when I can set it and so, set it and forget it. That's what I like in my planetary you, revolutions. You, you go around, you start looking around all the different planets. You're like, okay, this one, this one, this one, and you just start sending them all out there, or whatever ones are <laughs> potentially habitable. You just start shooting and, them off like like yeah. guns at a like like t-shirts out of a cannon. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, in if that was a thing that was possible, it would be, it would be awesome. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to be in the near future. It doesn't seem to be in the he, far future he, either. I don't he know. He says it, it, it's within the hundred to one hundred and fifty years. We'll be able to do that. In terms of technology research, yeah. There's like a whole like scientific study and stuff on it. Like he goes through. Like it's not just like a, 
a work like some random article on on the internet like it, it's it's a, like it's quite the journal like okay i just i it was over my head on half of it so i just kind of got the gist of it okay put my spin on it that's fun that's really fun <laughs> the okay so the the other thing that we have to worry about past the green planet is living on mars and living on mars comes with its own set of difficulties if we have perfect environment so the first and biggest thing in my opinion is the radiation from the sun and the cosmic rays uh this sort of radiation stuff i don't think i'm really going to be able to understand or explain to you all you need to know is that when radiation comes into the planet and it hits you it could t potentially mutate your your genetic code which could cause cancer and kill you or heart disease it's real bad so what's what's saving us on earth like we talked about earlier is the magnetic magnetic sphere so how do we recreate that on mars so i saw one theory the only theory i saw was create an artificial magnetic sphere essentially it's like a huge satellite and we send it out over mars and it has its own magnetic magnetic um deflector essentially and it, it just rotates around mars and keeps us safe that was that was like the only thing i really saw besides somehow getting to mars figuring out what's wrong with the core and then changing the core but right now we don't know how or if that's possible and and sort of relating that back to earth if you ever see like the northern lights that's essentially what is going on with the magnetic field and the the solar rays yeah so so with mars there's nothing stopping it like that so you'd just be bombarded mm -hmm. so that also makes it very difficult for i think the plant life to grow and um like we can get from microbes to a clean atmosphere but it's it's probably tough for us to do anything about plant life yeah because when you think of like the lack of a magnetic field you kind of think like the main concern would be the atmosphere loss but that's that's not even the main concern like it would take like a hundred to a thousand years for that for the for the atmosphere that you that we're building now for it to kind of dissipate like we have a long time mm -hmm. if we start this kind of melting process in the greenhouse effect that it, like it's so minimum minimal it's not even a concern that the main concern would be the solar winds and the and the radiation yeah definitely so after that, let's say we figure this out. We, we build a big old space station above Mars. It's got its own magnetic radiation field. It protects us. And the next thing is once we get there, we're living on Mars, we have to deal with a much lower gravity. And dealing with a much lower gravity, you can ask astronauts like Chris Hatfield and a bunch of others. I mean, they, they lived in zero G. It's a bit different. But you lose a lot of muscle mass. You lose bone density. And you're less healthy. Our whole evolution for millions of years has built us to live on this planet with this gravity so if we move to that planet with that gravity being about it's probably around half or less uh, we'd have a huge we'd have a, a lot of health problems and i think a lot of them would be un unpredictable right yeah and you'd have to i think it i think i saw you have exercise almost four hours a day to kind of negate the muscle loss and bone loss. Right. It would be That's... easier, 
it would be easier to exercise, but I mean, my jobs would be considerably easier, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to do it for four hours. Yeah. Right. So that's another thing. Um, storms are another one. Right. Okay. You, you can, you can get these, these, like they're called like dust devils and they're these, these massive storms. And have you ever seen the size of Mount Everest? That's the size of these storms. The storms are as high as Mount Everest. It's wild. They can blow in. But the funny thing about it is the atmosphere is so thin that they do no damage. They're like a a breeze. They'd be coming at like 200, 300 kilometers an hour. And it would be like, like you would hardly feel it. But, but the thing is, is, is this dust and the sand it's kind of contributes to why Mars looks so red anyways, because it's so much sand that you see Right. that it would just, it, it would blanket everything mm-hmm. and the dust would be, it would take like a month to three months for the dust to settle. Mm-hmm. So say you're like, you're, you're like uh colonizing Mars and you're, you're all your energy is kind of all solar energy. The big storm rolls in and the dust takes months to settle. That that's a big problem. Yeah, I hoping this is why I found it so hard for us to colonize first, terraform later, because hoping that during the terraforming process, with the water coming out, we can reduce this huge amounts of sand and and potentially negate the negate these huge storms. Um, but yeah, if we were to just send human beings there early, and and we haven't even talked at all about power generation, how are we creating power? Well, the biggest thing would be if we're burning if we're burning the soil, we can use that to to turn turbines and create power. But mainly, everybody thinks solar power. Well, if we if we're using solar power to create our CFCs with our generators, and we have one of these huge storms, well, shut it down for six months. Because we need a whole bunch of we need a fleet of robots to just get their squeegees out and clean off the panels. <laughs> well, it's not even just cleaning that; it's still up in the air. They'd have to somehow blow it out of the air, right? <laughs> but 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 I, I one kind of like very futuristic technology would be the like these satellites up in this up in the atmosphere up in the not the atmosphere but in the, uh, the gravitational right. <laughs> forgetting the word but uh, yeah the gravitational pull of of mars yeah like you're in, it's in the orbit circulation the, orbit. yeah orbits the um, word and there would be just like these massive solar panels so it would be just getting like it would be just bypassing all that mm-hmm. and it would just be the solar energy way up in the sky mm-hmm. and then it would be just kind of beamed down to them right we'd have to have what tesla wanted to build which was a way of transporting energy without some sort of physical connection Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm. I'm pretty sure that's not really the that he like that's something that th- will probably be figured out not that far away, but sort of. But just but we just get all of Earth's extension cords, and <laughs> oh, yeah. we just, oh, we just <laughs> yeah. run it up <laughs> there. Ah, that should be easy enough. <laughs> I like that idea. So yeah, um, that's another issue. <laughs> Getting back to other issues, we have our. Uh, we had our cosmic radiation. We had our gravity. Um, I think, I think that's about it for issues. Once we've got everything completely terraformed, 
So yeah, I think that's yeah the gist of those concern, are the but... main issues. And then uh, we're probably going to have to we'll probably run into issues that are just unpredictable with health with regards to human health. And I think it would be really interesting. I heard some some scientists talking uh, in a video. They explained if we're there for hundreds of years on Mars, we're still human beings, but they would evolve and change and their whole physiology would be different so you would see a, a human from earth and they would be average height average build and you'd see a human from mars and they'd be much taller and have Slender. a whole different look to them and you'd be like ah that's a martian that's a that's an earthian or whatever yeah. uh, a terran i guess and there's there's like a whole like kind of book series on on like like on this uh what's a called again but they have like the martians the belters and the the earth guys i read the first book the is this the the caves of steel is that what you're talking about no the the expanse the expanse series oh okay they it's like they have like earth i mean they have mars as like a terraformed i guess as a place to live or whatever mm -hmm. and the three there's the pretty much the three like two planets and then the belt mm -hmm. they call it i guess is whatever and uh and earth so like there's there's actually like sort of like politics and stuff between that and stuff so like that would even kind of be into play too for sure once you start noticing the ap different appearance and stuff right yeah totally and and then we have to think about politics and building of societies rules laws governance all this stuff but that i think we should avoid talking about the <laughs> yeah, other thing yeah. i really wanted to talk about was i kept during the research i kept running into this ethical question like i explained earlier if there's already life on mars if we get there and we do some soil sampling and we see microorganisms and life there what do we do sometimes it, some scientists say stop everything we're interfering with life we can't do this. This is a travesty. If we come in, we start wiping everything out, and we essentially take life and destroy it for our own means. That's one theology, that one psychology, one thought process. The other one is, there's three. I think the other one is, why don't we nurture this life that we found, create more optimal uh, environment for it, let it grow and let it have its own planet, but maybe supercharge its evolution and, and like see what happens. And then the third thing is, screw it. We're going in there. This is ours now. <laughs> America. We're taking this. Uh, <laughs> and they just, we just take over the whole place. Like, so yeah. I, how do you feel about that? If we reach, if we hit life on Mars? Well, I, if, yeah, that's, that, that's the whole thing, right? If. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of number one it just i don't know it just seems like okay as life let's just abandon every everything all our efforts pack it up <laughs> this was kind of a a waste of time but if anything the the research and stuff we've been doing it, it's it's telling us the opposite that mars used to have life and now it, it doesn't so like if there is if we found some sort of life it, it almost seems like it's on its last legs so you're like so, put it out of its misery no, <laughs> just in, in the sense no putting it out of its misery would pretty much be leaving it alone right 
Okay. So it it would be like almost like a a two or a three, maybe even a mix. Like Mm -hmm. nurture it wall. Like maybe we'll take this section. You can have your section over there. Right. (laughs) We'll start maybe changing the conditions better for us over here or something. I don't know. Like. Okay. So you so like make little national parks and just leave, right? <laughs> no, I don't. I th- I think the more I think about it, the more I'm actually leaning to number three, and just yeah. like we just go over there and just make it ours. Like mm-hmm. clearly, like that life there isn't going to fight us back. Yeah, I I agree with you because I as, as somebody who's kind of a scientist by nature. I like the idea of understanding new things. I like the idea of finding a whole new different organism we've never seen before that survives on Mars. But then learning what we need to know, bringing samples over here, but then still going forward with our with our expanse and, and yeah. taking over Mars. So with that in mind, I think the other big thing I wanted to talk about was colonizing first and biodomes as an answer so do you have anything do you want to say about uh previous things before we move on to this subject well it's just one of the one of the questions that i saw kind of brought up quite a bit was was almost like why why are we terraforming mars why are we colonizing mars why are we going to mars when we haven't solved all the problems on earth Right. There's there we haven't even figured out global warming. We have this and that. So, so like what the solution is just to go to a new planet and start over. Let's try again. Let's ruin that planet. Like I I saw it kind of brought up a lot, and I was wondering what you kind of thought about it. Yeah, I had a couple trains of thought on this one because yeah, I also ran into it too. And there's I think there's a there's an argument to be made to do something for the sake of doing it which is why why are we not terraforming Mars? I you know you can't really prove the negative, but it's like why are we not terraforming Mars if we could? Wouldn't it be the most brilliant thing human beings have ever done? So the problem what is if, money What if it costs a lot yeah, of money time, that can be spent? Yeah. Right. So my my I guess answer to that is can't we walk and and chew gum at the same time can't we simultaneously fix earth while terraforming mars that's why i think it's selfish for some scientists nowadays to say we're going to mars in my lifetime no we're not like we're we've got issues here but if we figure out our issues here in the next century century and a half then we start building towards terraforming mars while also saving earth the other thing that i was thinking and people will make this argument is well mars is what's saving us because right now we're destroying Earth. We're very good at it. Um, we're we're mm. very good at heating, at heating Earth. That's why we're not going to Venus. It's too hot. We're going to Mars. We can heat that up. We're good at heating things. So we're we're good at this greenhouse gas effect. That's that was the other thing. So yeah, I think I lean towards the we can walk and chew gum. We can figure this out. We can figure Mars out. And when we do figure Mars out, it'll be amazing. And it's like the first step to taking over, like the rest of the solar system slash galaxy slash universe. I I saw one argument, I think it was from Neil deGrasse Tyson, that was kind of interesting. So he was kind of answering this question and he goes, so we, we terraform Mars 
and if we can terraform mars we'll have this technology and and the engineering like trying to the geographical engineering that we'll be able to like kind of re-terraform earth back again once we've ruined it so badly oh so i thought that was kind of interesting that we'll we'll have such good technology and have learned so much that we can go back and fix earth kind of right backwards reverse engineering earth back to where it was yeah before in a thousand years they're gonna look down and be like guys we could that's in the goldilocks home we could probably fix that guy up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> what happened to that terran we'll, we'll all be that? on we'll be on mars and be like man this, this we're looking at this planet it looks like it used to have life yeah <laughs> <laughs> used to have all these look at these all these river beds and... yeah <laughs> wow that was a cool planet <laughs> Um, yeah, that's what I think about that question. And it's a good one and it's a tough one, but yeah, yeah. That... Just like, like it's cause you, you saw it kind of a lot with the space program, not even with Mars, but like with the moon with the and moon. stuff after, after all the space race and everything got canceled. It's like, why are we spending all this money mm-hmm. when we can't even solve our own country's problems or mm-hmm. like yada, 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 like the taxpayers money yada yada right because right? it's government programs yeah that the other just as a side note the reason we're not terraforming mars is that it's or sorry the reason we're not terraforming the moon is because it's way too small the gravity is way too low it doesn't have you can never make an atmosphere there um so sorry but yes you're right and funding is a huge issue and right now we're all interested in SpaceX, which is Elon Musk's company, which is nothing to do with the government. It's all privately run businesses. Is is this going to turn into the little board game terraforming Mars, where it's it's your you own a business and you're competing against other businesses to terraform Mars the quickest? Like, is that what's going to happen, or is it going to be a concern, like a, a cohesive effort from all of hu- human mankind? That's 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 a good question, right? Because it's it's a good thing that private companies are getting involved because that's way more money to for the space but again that's more politics when it comes to getting on the planet yeah so like mm-hmm. say like what is spacex like say we're like talking colonization in the early phases or whatever and like what spacex has their own little colony and then nasa has their own little colony boeing has their own little colony right yeah jeff bezos has his own little area he's just got a little island and is it going to be like early earth where people are like taking other colonies over like tribal warfare (laughs) yeah like like, oh man so because with the the international space station it's kind of like almost funded by everybody everyone kind of gets sort of a chance to send someone up there and right yeah, this and, yeah, this is why the International Space Station is still afloat is because it's it's run by the the different countries that send their it's all government run, right? You have yeah. so so the question would be are governments going to step in and make make the companies that want to go um, have some sort of like repercussions if are, like are they going to make it so all the companies that are investing are working together, I think. But how is it like their jurisdiction to comment on what goes on in space or on Mars, i have no right? clue yeah we it's... nobody has any clue how this is all gonna work mm-hmm. i think there's this there's, there's so many politics gonna be going forward it's gonna be kind of crazy yeah 
So, last thing I wanted to talk about, biodomes. Instead of terraforming the whole planet, what if we just built huge biodomes that were the size of cities, like big cities, and instead of having to deal with all this blue planet, green planet thing, we could just <laughs> we just plop it in there. We had some sort of containment. We brought our own supply of oxygen and nitrogen. We built a small barrier that's got a magnetic sphere around it to protect us from radiation, and we lived in this biosphere on Mars. What do you think? So, like the movie martian but on like a, another whole nother scale yeah exactly in terms of like cities yeah i th and it's just i just a... can't see that being like long term because the gravity right mm -hmm. like you would have to create some sort of system that when you're in these domes that the gravity is stronger or something right well there is a there i saw one model which was really cool was a huge biodome and in the middle was all the farming. So they had changed the the regolith of Mars and all that was it was farming and wildlife. And then on the outside was the city and it was on an angle and it was rotating around the biosphere in such a speed that it would create a gravity similar to that of Earth. So essentially it, it reproduced Earth's gravity on Mars in a biosphere. Uh, and that was where the city was. Everybody lived there kind of thing. Yeah, that was a pretty cool idea. I assume there would be some sort of kind of ex like uh, trips outside of the dome and stuff. I could see a lot of people kind of getting almost like a claustrophobic kind of feel. Yeah, I, I'd assume they'd have scientists and researchers in gear going outside the dome um, to, like, to set up. I I just can't Whatever. see sort of like almost like a long time, long term living. Like mm -hmm. people spend their whole lives there. Like mm -hmm. it would just kind of, they would feel, I don't know. I just feel like there'd be a lot of psychological effects to it. Sort of like, like I've heard of like super long term space travel where they're sending like these massive ships, like with generations on it. So like, say they're, they're in space for like 200 years going somewhere like, yeah where they're having kids and their kids are to pass over on their jobs to have kids to yeah. keep having so this ship can keep going to its destination or whatever. Right. And that's essentially it, Mars. It seem like that with Mars right. in terms of a colony. Yeah. Well, the other thing, just as a side note, I'm not sure if we mentioned this, it takes approximately six to eight months to get from Earth to Mars using common means, using means, uh, not common, but means that we have nowadays, <laughs> the technology that we have nowadays. Just a car. Just a car. Just get in your car, drive your Tesla. Um, yeah, so you're right. It, it would be crazy psychological, but what if we did have those generations growing up on Mars and that's just how they lived and what they knew, right? It would be interesting. Yeah. So I think, I think the biodomes is an interesting short-term solution while we potentially like let's say we build the 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 biomes we have enough to survive we can somehow have energy when we have those big martian red storms and we have protection from radiation we have food we have generations of people living on mars now then they go forth and they terraform it like as as they're living, essentially, they build the, the yeah, radio. Like their the, full time job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another kind of, rather than the big biodomes, would be kind of underground, 
right because they had so many volcanoes and stuff there's lots of these underground caverns i think they're kind of there's a word for them but there's already like these pre-dug kind of run like stuff under the planet okay so essentially almost going down there to start colonizing it mm-hmm. in order just to get out of the radiation and stuff but again i can't see that being a long term yeah unless you sort of just dig out the entire planet and you just have you're just underground you're like underground people you're mole people i i don't know (laughs) i feel i find that one tougher to picture because you need oxygen and unless you're always in a spacesuit you need to you need to be able to prevent oxygen leaks from your cavern essentially yeah it would just be like instead of a the big domes i guess they'd just be underground right i don't know yeah, I could. They just I, wouldn't be I, I, as durable, right? Because yeah. you'd be out of the storms. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'd be a lot lighter. Like you again, you could be have oxygen and stuff inside, but they'd just be a lot like almost more cheaply built, right? Because you would be out of everything. Mm-hmm. So, I think with all of that in mind, I don't think we're going to be terraforming Mars for the next thousand years. And I mean a full terraforming. I don't mean going. I don't yeah. mean making biospheres. I don't mean living underground. I mean terraforming. Yeah. A thousand years. What would you think? It's it's just hard to put like a number on it because say if if technology was was still and stagnant and not going crazy or whatever. Yeah. I I would agree with the th- a thousand years, but. Like, with the way technology is kind of increasing, I'm sure something is going to be crazy and it's going to, like, make the process a lot quicker. Yeah. I just worry about the politics. I worry about people interfering with it. I, yeah, I, that's true. I, th- those are my worries. And and also the process just being longer than we ever anticipated. This mm-hmm. The scale of it being enormous. Yeah, I I definitely don't expect it in our lifetime, which is kind of sad. A little sad, but the more I kind of think about it, the more it sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like the more I kind of are educated about it, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, it's definitely like. Whereas when I didn't know much about it, it was like oh terraforming that'd be kind of cool, right? Like we'd play we played the board game, and <laughs> yada, yada yada. Yeah, it'd be like oh yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Like it'd be like quite the flight or whatever. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It would be kind of. Yeah. I don't know if I would. Do I'm, I'm it, saving right? up for but... my trip. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, that's another thing is is tourism, space tourism, mm-hmm. like. Uh, but anyways. Yeah. I... But yeah, it's. Yeah. Not. Not. No more uh, Mars inspiration for me. Yeah, I think we've we've closed <laughs> the book on this for our lifetime, but not for our, not for humankind. I think I'm still yeah. hopeful. So. With that, I I've said everything I want to say. Do you have anything else? Any final words? No, I think that's everything. Cool. I think we covered everything. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to Inquisitive Minds podcast, and we'll catch you next time when we hopefully give you something to think about.